0: Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in. Welcome to the Prayer House Podcast. Our mission and vision is simple: to spread the gospel and the good news to the end of the world and do it by building a community whose foundation is Jesus Christ. So welcome to the family. We hope you enjoy this message and that it is a blessing to you. Father, we thank you tonight for the opportunity, Father God, to minister to your people and Father, I pray, as we come to your word, Lord God, that your word would be what you said it is, living active, sharper than a two-edged sword, able to cut, Lord God, through the lies and through the malaise, through the haze, Father God, of the darkness of this generation. Father, so many are talking about how anxious they are for 2020 to be over. Oh, Lord, but I know, Lord God, that you have brought your people to the knowledge of you for such a time as this. So, Lord, rather than curse the darkness, we say light, a light in us. For, Lord, you said that we are the light of the world. And I pray, Lord God, as your word goes forth, oh, God, it would be fresh oil in our lamps, oh, God. Oh, Lord, that the sword of your word would Mm -hmm. trim the wicks, oh, God, of our hearts. And allow us, Father, to know you, to hear you, to come to you, to be blessed by you. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen and amen. Okay. All right. Well, as a lot of you know, our theme for this meeting is being rooted in Christ. And you can find that anchored in Colossians 2, verses 6 through 7. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him having been firmly rooted in now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. As you have received Christ the Lord and walk in him, having been firmly rooted. My, my message tonight, I want to talk about what that means to be rooted in Christ and have three points and then five questions I'm going to ask you as a means of reflecting on the word that God has given us. Point number one, Christ is divine and we are the branches. If you have your Bible, you don't have to turn there. Hopefully you're familiar with John chapter 15. If you are not in one of the last teachings that our Lord did, he talked about the fact that he, is divine. We are the branches. Without him, we can do nothing. We can do nothing apart from Christ. There's so much. One of the worst parts about being a mature Christian is that you learn there are certain talents you've been given, there are certain gifts you've been given, and it becomes possible to do the work of the Lord without the Lord of the work. It becomes possible to sing your song. It becomes possible to worship, quote-unquote without the anointing of God, because you know that a certain note will affect the audience one way, that this song moves people another way. You know which song has this impact. You know as a speaker, all right, that if you say this or you say that, it will affect people. If you change the tone of your voice. But Jesus said that apart from me, you can do nothing. And that's why we need to be rooted in Christ. That's why we need to be connected to Christ. Without Christ, we bear no fruit. Without Christ, we can do things. We can get certain things done. But we can have no eternal impact. Listen, God has given me a gift, and I've come to the point, I don't say this arrogantly. I know how to use the gift that he's given me. Because of that, I can preach a sermon without the anointing and people would say oh man that was a great message what a good public speaker but preaching under the anointing people will walk away and they may not remember me and they may not know that i was a good speaker but they will know the power of god they will know that their lives will change if you have talent for singing you can sing your song and move a crowd and put goosebumps on people's finger but if you on people's skin but if you sing Under the anointing of God, you can shatter shackles and break yokes that leave people in bondage. The demons that tormented Saul were not chased away because David was a talented singer. They left left Saul when David worshipped because David was an anointed singer. And there's a huge difference. And that's why it's key to be rooted in Christ. That's why it's key to be grounded in Christ, to be connected to the vine. Because without him, we can do nothing. Without him, we cannot bear fruit. But you have to keep in mind part of the process of that gleaning and bearing fruit is he also said, my father is the vine dresser. Any branch in me that does not bear fruit, he cuts it off. And cast it away. And for people say, well, you know, he's not talking about anything serious. He says, and they are bound up and cast into the fire. They're good for nothing but to be burned. Fruit bearing is essential, and I'm going to come to that point in a moment. But he says, if you are bearing fruit, some of you might be asking, because like I said, this has been a dark time. 2020 has become a very difficult time. Some of you are finished college and, you know, you, you came into 2020 with your eyes glistening and gleaning and the joy and you were just so excited. I'm going to graduate and I'm going to get a job and I'm going to be making good money and I'm going to pursue this. Some of you had plans of marriage. Some of you had plans of this or that or the other thing. And all of a sudden, all that was taken away. And you may find yourself tonight even as... A Christian, even as a mature, loving Christian, asking God, what are you doing? Why, Lord, is this darkness? I mean, I can understand, God, why you would judge a society like ours. I can understand why the sinner falls into this judgment. But, Lord, why am I suffering? Why didn't my uncle catch COVID-19? Why is my aunt in a hospital? Why is my mom? Why is my career on pause? Why is my future on pause? Lord, why is my dream and my hope being taken from me? And the answer Jesus gave is that every branch in me that bears fruit, the father prunes it. He cuts it away. And so you've got to understand, yes, the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And a lot of what you're seeing is the rising up of the enemy. A lot of what you're seeing in our day is preparation for the coming of the end and the times of the Antichrist, etc., etc. But part of why we fall into it, part of why we suffer hard times, part of why loneliness visits our homes, part of why suffering visits our homes, why death knocks on our doors at times is because, you see, If God doesn't prune us, if he doesn't cut away the waste, nothing new can grow. I just mentioned that, you know, I I just moved recently. And one of the interesting things about the home where my family is living now, the owners who we bought from had neglected the exterior of the property for a long time. But it's obvious the people who lived here before that had taken good care of it. You might say, well, what's your point here? As we began the massive work, four, five, six, seven hours a day for days outside, trying to clean up, cutting back overgrown bushes and branches and things like that, there were certain plants that just looked like ugly, horrible, dead things. Literally, you would want to just rip it up by the roots and throw it out and burn it. And I listen, I'm not an incredible like landscaper or something like that. I pray for wisdom in everything I do. And God led me. There's certain things. He said, don't uproot that. Cut away the death. And as I cut away the useless branches and I cut away the dead branches, fascinating things have happened. Flowers have been growing. Plants have been growing. Beautiful things are happening because what was dead and what was meaningless. And I know for some of you, this may be hard to hear, but someone needs to hear this. I don't know who it is. But listen to me carefully. There's stuff that God has cut out of your life during this time that to you was beautiful. To you, it was a dream. To you, it was wonderful. To God, it was a dead thing. To God, it was all flesh. It was nothing of the Spirit. It wasn't part of His plan. One of the things I tell Christians, especially mature Christians, the greatest enemy of a mature Christian is not evil. If you're a mature Christian and someone invited you to a wild party with drugs and alcohol and all kinds of, you wouldn't go. You know to avoid that. If you're involved in a relationship right now, maybe you're engaged already and someone at your job started flirting with you, you know not to follow down that road. You know to avoid evil. So the enemy will tempt you with good, with a good career, with a a good relationship, with a good dream, with a good plan that wasn't from God. See, it's not that what you're pursuing is good, but it was dead in God's eyes. God saw the death, and he saw behind it what he wanted to bring out. So God is pruning. God is cutting things away. God is removing death. God is removing negative influences. But he also prunes us. Because if we do not taste of the pain of this generation, then we have nothing to offer the hurting. How dare we speak to people who are suffering and hurting in this time and we're prospering and everything is going right. When you speak to them about the power of God, they'll say, you can say that because you live in a privileged situation. And some of you, yes, God has protected you from the evil of our day. Your family is well. You are well. And praise God. Give him glory for that. But there are other areas areas of the heart, emotionally, loneliness, depression is attacking. Maybe it's not COVID, but certain other issues are coming into your body now. There are other things that you're confronting. We suffer through our pains and we go through our trials and we endure the things that we have to endure so that when a hurting generation comes to us, we have something to offer that makes them say, wow, how are you able to endure? How are you able? Why are you prospering at a time when other people are suffering? And your answer isn't, well, I've always prospered. My life has always been good. And it's always been ice cream cake and velvet You know, cake. And it's been wonderful every step of the way. I've never had a bad day. No, no, no. I may be prospering now. But let me tell you the trail of tears that my current prosperity is built upon. Let me tell you the suffering that my current joy is born out of. Why do you always seem so happy? Because I've seen depression and come out of the depths of it. And so God is pruning and God is cutting away because at the end of the day, he desires that you bear fruit. And that is more important than anything. So let's talk about number two, bearing fruit. In Matthew chapter 7, in fact, the most important piece of scripture in all the Bible. Matthew 5, 6, and 7, greatest sermon ever preached, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. In the seventh chapter, right around verse 15, he talks about being weary of false prophets. And he says that we can recognize the true from the false by its fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, but a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. The two just don't happen. You don't plant apple seeds and get an orange tree. You don't plant a strawberry bush and find pears growing out of it. We're to be known by our fruit, and that's dangerous because today we live in a generation of Christianity where everything is, well, God knows my heart. God knows my heart. God knows my heart. Well, it doesn't matter. God knows my heart. But if you read through the book of Revelation at the beginning in chapters 2 and 3, in his letter to the churches, what does God say? To every single church, he knows the heart. How? Because he sees your works. Jesus says, so let your good works shine before men so that they would glorify your Father in heaven. It is essential that we bear fruit because we will be known by our fruit. You can talk about the love of Christ, the love of Christ, the love of Christ. But if behind you is a trail of broken relationships and unforgiveness and anger and bitterness, and every time you get to talking and open up your mouth, it's about anger. It's about the person who did you wrong. It's about the hurt that you've been through and your inability to forgive. When you now turn and talk to someone about the forgiveness of Christ, they don't see its effectiveness. They don't see its power. So you've got to bear fruit of forgiveness, but how can you forgive unless you've been wrong? So pain will knock on your door so that God can test you and try you and strengthen you so that you know how to respond, so that you know what to say, so that you can bear fruit, so that when people look at you, they see the power of the life you're living. They see joy in the midst of sorrow. They see hope when everyone is going into panic. They see faith in an era of fear. I have never seen a society so gripped by fear as what I've seen in the last few months. And please hear me before I say what I'm about to say. I know that COVID-19 is a real virus number one. Number two, I take precautions to protect my family. I've got a wife. I've got three young boys, one, four, two, three. I've got to protect them. I do what I can to keep them safe. But I have seen people cling so much to this life. Oh my God, Corona's coming and allow their entire lives to be shut down. To the point that in California, they literally passed a law. This was not some governor's overreach. Yes, the governor overreached, but his legislature backed him up and passed the law. Fine, they can open their churches, but they cannot sing in their churches. And people went, well, you know, we're trying to protect from Corona. Come on, what is the logic behind somehow singing puts me in greater danger than if I don't sing. And the churches, by the way, that were fined, and they literally didn't just find these churches. They asked for armed police to keep them closed and arrest people coming to worship. And I heard so much silence from the body of Christ. Because, oh, well, it's not me, and I understand they're just trying to protect us. Listen, yes, we have to keep ourselves safe. Yes, we have to be careful. Yes, we use wisdom, but we are not afraid. We are not overcome by fear. Listen to me, young people. If you have plans for your life that God has placed in your heart and you shut down everything because you're like, well, I don't know what the future holds. Nobody does, but you've got to walk out on faith, on the word that God has given you about your life. So if you're engaged and he gave you a spouse and said you're to marry this person this year, why are you delaying till next year or the year after? Well, I wanted a big celebration. Listen, the size of your wedding is irrelevant. It's the quality of your marriage that will show people the glory of God. You will never read anywhere in scripture where God says a wedding is an analogy for the love of God for his people, but you will read where the marriage union between a man and a woman represents the love of Christ for his people. So you may have to change the way it looked. The plan might look a little different. It might be like David. David was a mighty warrior. But after he had united all the tribes of Israel, and the only thing left to take was Jerusalem, and he became aware that God had given him Jerusalem, that Jerusalem was to be the capital. Jerusalem was to be where the temple was built. But Jerusalem was held by an enemy and it was up on a hill and it was fortified with a wall. And they laughed at David and said, look, you couldn't send, if I put the blind and the lame to guard the wall, you couldn't take it. And David asked for a few men willing to risk everything. And they didn't go the way people thought. They didn't attack the wall. If you read closely and you understand the original, they literally crawled up the sewer system to enter the, to enter the city. What does that have to do with anything, Pastor Pete? Everything. Listen, sometimes we're going to do it and we're going to be nice and clean and it's going to be according to you know the, the, the homiletics and the rules that we have in place. And sometimes you're going to have to go at night like Gideon, and sometimes you're gonna to have to go up the sewage system like David and his mighty men. Sometimes it won't look like what you intended originally, but you've got to go and step out on faith. And this is a great time for us Christians. Please stop thinking that you live at the wrong time because all your plans are being canceled. This is a wonderful time to be a Christian because light shines best in darkness. Look up into the sky. In the middle of the day when the sun is blazing in all its glory, you can't find a single other star. But when the darkness of night covers the sky, all the stars shine in their brilliance. This is our time to shine. Have you ever seen the moon out early in the twilight of day? And the sun and the moon are out at the same time. How dim does that moon look? Looks almost like a shadow, like a vapor. But let the sun go down and that same moon be up. And it reflects the light of that sun with glory that illuminates the sky. The darkness of our day is our opportunity to bear fruit onto righteousness, to bear fruit onto hope, to bear fruit onto faith, to bear fruit and show people that our Christianity is not a bunch of sayings and words and a happy song, but in hard times we persevere and we bear fruit. My final point, how do we do all of this? We've got to be dead men walking. We've got to be dead men walking. To understand what I mean, follow me to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 9 to 12. Give me a second. How am I doing on time? All right. I've got a couple of minutes. Perfect. Okay. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 9 through 12 says, Indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great peril of death and will deliver us. He on whom we have set our hope, and he will yet deliver us. I'm actually going to stop there. Did you hear that? We had the sentence of death within ourselves so that we would not trust in ourselves. Another verse of scripture, one of my favorite verses of scripture in the book of Revelation, right around the 19th chapter, oft-quoted verse, but a verse that people often quote partially. And they overcame him The devil, the enemy, the antichrist, and his false prophet. And they overcame him, the beast, by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And most people end that verse right there. They're content with that. Let's have a testimony service and they'll claim the blood of Jesus. But the verse doesn't end there. And they loved not their lives, even unto death. Another verse, would put it, and that they did not love their lives, even when confronted with death. Brothers and sisters, the greatest thing creating fear right now is not COVID-19. COVID-19 is not what's making us afraid. Fear of death. Fear of death. And listen, I'm not going to lie and say, I have no fear. no. Listen, I told you, if I were single, I wouldn't care about COVID. I have three children, and I want to raise up my sons, and I want to see them grow up, and and, and I have a wife whom I love, and I want to take care of her. But at the end of the day, I have to remember that this life is the vapor. This life is not the reality. This life is not my final destination. Store up treasure in heaven. Why is it so hard to bear fruit in hard times? Because we're afraid of losing this life. We're afraid of losing the promotion, afraid of losing the opportunity, afraid of losing that job, afraid of getting sick, afraid of dying, afraid of getting hurt, afraid, afraid, afraid at the end of the day of death. But the old time Christians in the day of Paul and many generations after him were able to say, oh death, where is thy sting? When we realize that Christ died and is risen and that he is the first fruits of resurrection and that our destiny is to be resurrected with him, to rule and reign with him, when we realize that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, then we end up like Paul, betwixt between two choices, and we don't know which one to choose. I want to live because I want to see my sons, I want to raise my sons, and I want to see them become men of God, and I want to be with my wife, and I want to grow old by her side, and I'll be honest, I want to die at her side together. I want to finish this race with my hand in her hand. I want these things, so for that I want to live. I want to continue raising up voices to declare the coming of our Lord, so I want to live. I want to see our ministry grow and continue to impact lives all over the world, so I want to live. But I also want to die. No, I'm not depressed. Don't send me a hug, no hug emojis. I'm not depressed. I want to die because I recognize that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I've reached that point in my life where some of the abuses I put on my body when I was young are affecting me now. So my knees ache, and it takes a little longer to get out of bed in the morning. And I've got pain in my shoulder that sometimes becomes so unbearable I can't even speak. To be present with the Lord, all those pains will be gone. All the aches will be gone. All the questions will be answered. And I will finally, truly, completely look full in the face of him who loved me so much when I was so far from him that he paid everything to rescue me. Oh, I want to be where he is. And so I'm betwixt. I'm beside myself. I want to live Because there's hope in this life, and there's joy to be found, and there's uh, there's glory to be won for God. And I want to go home. I want to be with my Lord. And that's the balance we live with. And when you live as dead men walking, when you come to the revelation, death is not something I'm looking forward to. Death is past with me. I have been crucified with Christ. Therefore, I no longer live. This life is no longer mine to make decisions about. I died already. In fact, for me, it happened, wow. Happened way back in 1993. I've been dead for over 20 years. So what more can death take from me? And when we realize that and live as dead men walking, then we live without fear and we walk in faith. And that's important. Why? Because without faith, you cannot please God. And if you're not pleasing to God, you cannot bear fruit. And if you're not bearing fruit, then it's a sign that you're not connected to the vine. If you're not connected to the vine, that means you're not rooted in him. And if you're not rooted in him, it means you have no relationship with him. And if you have no relationship and no part in him, then what are you doing other than taking his name in vain? To call yourself a Christian doesn't make you a Christian. To live in love with Christ. To read your Bible, not because you're required to, but because you can't, uh, because you got to know what the Lord is saying. To put away all your devotionals and just pick up the word because the word itself is important to you. To read and study, not because someone required it, but because your heart can't live without it. To wake up in the morning and you pray, not because you're supposed to, but because you have to. To go for a walk and be instantly reminded of his presence. When you live rooted in Christ, you will bear fruit. And when you bear fruit, this life will no longer put fear into you. You live in faith because faith is the f- way to bear fruit, and bearing fruit is the way to glorify God. And glorifying God is the only reason we live. That's it. And so, let me close. I think I'm. Yep, I'm right out of time. But I want to ask you a couple of questions real quick, and I'll close with this. Ready? Number one, have you reckoned yourself dead, or are you still holding on to this life? Don't answer too quickly. Think about that. What are the things in this life that keep you holding on and stop you from truly living for God? Number two. What is the battle cry of your life? Fear or faith? Think about every aspect of your life, your career, your your, your education, your family, your finances, everything. Is it fear or faith that dominates you? Number three. Are you being pruned right now? Have you been pruned over time? If you can say to me, I'm a Christian, I've been walking with God for some amount of time, but God has never had to prune me. I've never been chastened by the Lord. The Lord chastens like a loving father. Listen, I understand that better now that I'm a dad. I hate when I have to punish my boys. I hate when I have to be mean with them. I hate when I have to correct them, but I do it because I love them too much to let them grow up without the discipline that will make them effective men in our generation. If you're not being chastened ever, you need to question your relationship with God. Number four, are you bearing fruit? The fruit that you bear is spiritual. The fruit that you bear is the lives that you impact. Whose life are you impacting? Doesn't have to be 20, 30, 40, 50 people, but are you impacting anyone's life? Are people's lives better because you're there? Are people challenged to go deeper with Christ because you're there? What fruit are you bearing? And finally, are you in Christ? Consider different areas your time. How much time do you give God each day? Think of your activities. What percentage of your activities? are rooted in Christ and what percentage are rooted in self? Think about your mental energies. Think about your character. Think about your plans. Are you rooted in Christ? And if you're not, make changes. I'm going to close out real quick just praying for everyone. I'm not going to do any kind of altar call, but I'm going to say this. As I ask those questions, if any of those questions you had to say, Wow, Father, I've got a problem. Lord Jesus, I've got a problem. Then you need to pray and go to Him. Don't need to do it publicly right now. You need to do it, though, in the privacy of your heart. You need to talk to God. If it's a relationship that has to change, if it's a person you have to forgive, whatever the situation may be, make it right. I want to pray for you, and I'm done. Father, Thank you for these who have listened to your word tonight and thank you for the word that you've given me. Father, I ask you, please, just bless your people. And Lord, those who have heard the word tonight and recognize that you have a controversy with them. Lord, we thank you for your grace. We thank you, Lord, that though the the, the dispensation of grace may be wrapping up, we're still in it. Mercy is still triumphing over judgment. And in your mercy and in your love and in your grace, forgive, heal, and transform. Make our lives right with you. We ask this by the power of the blood of the Lamb and in the name of your Son, Christ Jesus, our Lord. And we thank you. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in. We pray for you today that the word of God touched you and transformed you as only his word can. Rate us and leave a review if you can. We'd really appreciate it. Till then, keep searching, keep listening for his voice, and we'll see you again next time, fam.